Good evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank everyone for being here with us tonight, for taking the opportunity to be with us, to worship God in truth and in spirit, and to study from God's word. We are in Romans chapter 7 to, uh, tonight. Uh, if you haven't um, had a chance to, uh, to, to, to look at that or, or be with us here on Wednesday nights, we have been going through the book of Romans. We are in Romans chapter 7. It's an exciting chapter, as every chapter is in, in any book of the Bible. But we, we just came off of chapter 6. We're going to chapter 7. I'm going to have most of the verses up here on the board for you, there may be a few times that we go to some scriptures and, and read those scriptures together. I will be reading from the New King James Version tonight. As the more I study, the more I feel like I lean towards that New King James Version as we look and we study some of these scriptures here in Romans. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to look at God's word, to gain that strength, to gain that, ed that edification, the benefit that God has put there in his word for us to take and receive. And it's a wonderful time. We thank you for being here. If you are visiting with us tonight, we want to thank you for being here. You've blessed us with your presence. You have honored us uh, by being here tonight. And we hope that you and everyone find themselves comfortable and edified by being here with us tonight. Romans chapter 7. Monty had just got has just got, got done doing Romans chapter six, talking about that foundational principle that how we are baptized into Christ, that we are dead in Christ, and we are arise to walk in, in, in newness of life, a form of doctrine that we should obey, that 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 we have that 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 responsibility there, that requirement of us to do that. And what I want us to remember is how that the Bible talks about us that we are now slaves to Christ. We're not slaves to, to uh, that we are not slaves to sin anymore. That we have put off those chains and put on these better chains here to be slaves for God and to be slaves to his will and, and his ways. But I want us to also remember on who Paul is talking to here. And remember, he's talking to the, uh, the Jews. He's talking to the Jews and he's, he's writing to these Jews here because they're having trouble with the law. If you recall in Acts, there's many times where those, those Pharisees, those people are trying to tell them that they must keep the law of Moses or they must be circumcised. If you're not circumcised, you can't be saved. And all these things are going on. And all these things from the old law keep bouncing around and keep bouncing up. And Paul's having to address these things. And he's also trying to address these things and, and, and let people know that that law is gone. And what is better, what is good is here. And that's Jesus Christ. A fun fact that I would like to point out just for a moment. I don't know if you, people, or if you guys enjoy those things, but if you look at Romans chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, I'd like to read the last verse of each one of those chapters here for just a moment. Chapter 5 ends with this verse. So that sin reigneth in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The last verse of chapter, chapter 6 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The last verse of chapter 7 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then that with the mind I serve myself, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And in chapter 8, if you look at the last verse of chapter 8, it says, Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As I was studying through these, these chapters and reading that, it was very interesting to me that these chapters end with 
Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he is everything, that he is all. As we look at the old law and what is better is Jesus Christ. If we remember from Romans chapter five, and we're looking at that much more, do you remember how I kept over and repeating what's much more? Jesus Christ is much more. And that's what I think Paul's trying to draw out for these people is tell them that Jesus Christ is so much more than the law. And that's what I want us to study tonight. It's just a fun fact there. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. The first verse there is in Romans chapter 7, the verse 1, the Bible says, For do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Now, he's just got through with Romans 6, and he's talking about how Jesus Christ is our Savior, how we are, are dead to the law, we are dead to sin, and we arise to walk in newness of life. But he's still addressing this thing. He's still addressing the, the law. He's wanting them to understand. And sometimes when you want someone to understand, as my kids will 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 testify you got to tell them over and over again in different ways again and again and again and again because it's important and and they need to understand so remember who our audience is he says for i speak to those who know the law he's talking to those who know the law who is that That, that's the jews there he said do you not know that the law has dominion over man as long as he, he lives is that not correct do, 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 do lawyers, and I'm, I'm not going to say Franklin, but if I did happen to say Franklin, that how many people did he, did he prosecute in, in the law? How many people did he sentence to community service? Did he sentence to jail time who were dead? Well, the answer is going to be no, nobody. If you're dead, you, the law or a law has no dominion over you. And he says there that do you not understand that the law has has dominion over you as long as you live. And then he goes on and says here in verse 2, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. Verse 3, so then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. So he's giving them a concept that they understand. They understand this. They understand that if you are married with someone, you are bound to that person. But if that person dies, you can go and join yourself or be married to another person. And that's not against the law because that person is dead. Let's read some more here. Verse 4 says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that he, that we should bear fruit to God. So he's trying to say, he's like, look, that law is dead and you are dead to that law. Well, guess what? Now it's time to be married to something else. To who? To him who is raised from the dead. That's Christ. So that's what he's saying. He's like, you are bound by the law. Well, guess what? That is no longer going on. And it reminds me of Romans chapter 6, how we are dead, dead and buried. We are dead and buried and we are rise to walk in newness of life. At that moment, that sin and that law is, is done away. We are rise to walk in newness of life. He said, that's just like that husband and wife relationship, that the husband is now dead. And now you can be freed and joined to marry another. And, he, and, and he's using that to illustrate here that now we are here with Christ. <clears throat> verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions were aroused by the law, were <clears throat> at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So to me, that's pretty plain that, 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 he, that, that he's saying here, do you not understand that Jesus Christ has delivered us 
from the law, the law of sin and death. And then having died that we were, that we were held by, we have died to what we were held by. So now we can serve or be married to this spirit, the newness of the spirit, to be married to Christ, so, so to speak, as his bride. As, as we see other scriptures throughout, throughout, throughout or we see other verses throughout the scriptures say those things. So he's using a marriage or wife relationship. And I like that because I understand that. I get that, how a married couple, if one of them passes away, then another one is, is, is we understand that. And I think that's what Paul is using here. He's trying to, to get them to understand that now you can be married to someone else. And it says there that we were in the flesh and the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit unto death. As we go through, and I'm going to address that verse more here later in this chapter, we'll see what, that's what the law kind of does, that the law kind of sheds light on all kinds of sin in, in, in our lives or in their lives. But it's saying now we have been delivered by Jesus Christ, we have died, and now we can arise and serve in the newness of the Spirit. And it says there, in the oldness of the letter... What, is that, what does that sound like, like to you? It sounds like a written law, does it not? And it reminded me of Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, where the Bible says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were, were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, or the operation there of, of God, the removal of that sin there. Then it says there in verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. So you have been forgiven all of your trespasses. Because if you look at Colossians and Galatians, Paul is still teaching this concept here. He's still talking to the Jews. He's still teaching and telling people that the law is over now. And right here, this is verse 14 to me is extremely important where it says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The handwriting of requirements. Does that sound like of the oldness of the, of the letter? It does to me. And it says there that he has put away those requirements. That word requirements, if you can remember that word as we go throughout this lesson, it's going to come very important later. Remember the requirements, that those requirements, which were the law, were contrary to us. Contrary, that, that's opposing. That's like an opponent. That it's something that we have to battle with all the, all the time. And Paul's going to tell us about that later in Romans chapter 7. He said that law... Those, hand, those handwritten requirements that were contrary to us, which we could not fulfill, Jesus has taken those away and nailed it to the cross, so to speak, so now we can be married or joined to him. And we have been forgiven our trespasses. So then in Romans chapter 7, verse 7, Paul says this, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? I mean, to me, that's, that could, that's kind of a, a, a good question. I mean, you need to explain this because in verses 1 through 6, Paul is pretty much telling them, listen, now you are with Christ. 
the law is gone. You're dead to the law. Now you get to walk it in the newness of the spirit. But now the rest of the chapter, he's going to kind of qualify that statement. He's going to try to make them understand what he means and show them these things. And it says here, what shall we say? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So I said, well, what good was the law? Because guess what? Without Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. That is a true statement. No one comes under the Father but by him, by him, by Jesus Christ. So you couldn't do that through the law. So then they're asking, what is the law sin? Paul says, certainly not. He said, I wouldn't have even known sin except for the law. The law taught me sin. The law taught me about these things, that, that you shall not worship idols, you shall not covet, and all these things that are found in the law, Paul said, it taught me those things. So the law is not sin. The law is not bad. The law is not wrong. And he explains that more here in Romans chapter 7. In verse 8 where it says, but sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desires for apart from the law, sin was dead. So apart from the law, sin is dead because if there is no law there, if you take away law, do you take away sin? No, you still sin. There's still sin, but that law gives that sin power. And it tells us that in verse 9 where it says, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So try, try to think about it this way. It's not the law that's bad. Obviously not. That's God's law. God is perfect. God is holy. And guess what? God can have nothing to do with sin. So the law is going to be way up here where nobody can get to because it's God's law. We want to be in the presence of God one day. We must be justified. And here's this law. Well, none of us, nobody could ever do that. And it says there, even though I was alive once without the law, when the commandment came and that law came and I could see that law and that law taught me about covetousness and realize that I coveted things, it made sin revive. It made sin anew and it made sin have power. And what does sin do? It kills. That's what the law teaches. It's a law of sin and death. If you sin, you die. Simple as that. And that's what that law does. That if you sin in that law, there's going to be a condemnation. That's a sentence. And it's going to be death every single time. And that can be so scary because I think about uh, law, law today being pronounced or you're going to have a life in prison or you're going to have to pay so much money. If you sin under the law, it's death. That, that's it. And he's saying there, I was alive once without the law. Not that there wasn't sin because if, if you recall in Romans chapter 5, which I don't have this on the board and I apologize, Romans chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible says, if you remember that from the last time, therefore, verse 12, just as though through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. It's not put on our account, so to speak, when there's no law. Verse 14 in Romans chapter 5 says, says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, from Adam to Moses. What he's saying there is that there's still, there was still sin. From Adam to Moses, there was still sin. And guess what sin does? It kills sin and death. And it says there, but where there is no law, that's not imputed upon our account. It doesn't mean that you don't sin and you still die. 
He's saying there that even though I was alive once, or if you, or, or, or they were alive once without the law, but once the commandment came, guess what? It sheds light on all of our filthiness. And that's what happened to those Jews. Once they saw the law and they saw that commandment, they realized that, just like it says here in Romans chapter 5, all have sinned, or all have sinned and fallen short of, 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 of the glory of God. No one can ever meet the requirements, so to speak, in the law. So it's not that the law is bad, it's that the people under the law were bad. <clears throat> and he tells us that here in Romans chapter 7, verse 10, the Bible says, And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Folks, the law is holy. The law is just. The law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. And he doesn't say here the law that was supposed to bring life brought death. It said it brought death to him because he could never fulfill the law. He said, there's no way that I could meet those requirements. So guess what that law of life did? It brought me death because I sinned. And that's what he's trying to teach those Jews there. He said, look, y'all are in the same boat that we were under that law or kept guard under, 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 under that law this entire time. But we are sinful creatures. Those Jews there were sinful creatures, and you can't escape that. If you think about it for a practical application today, no one can leave this building and say that they haven't sinned. Everybody has sinned. Everybody back then had sinned. And it's saying for you to have that law bring you life, you would have had to never have sinned after eight days old. None. No sin. It's almost impossible. But is that the law's fault? Absolutely not. It's not the law's fault. The Bible here says that the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. You know what helped me understand this a little bit more was in Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 7, the Bible says, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Right? If the law could have saved us all, then there would have been no need for Jesus Christ to come. But it says, because finding fault with them. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that the law was faulty. It means the people that were under the law were faulty. They could not keep the law. Why? Because they have that sin. They have that carnal nature. Verse 13 there says, He that says in a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And this, that, that's exactly what Paul is hammering here in Romans. He said it's obsolete. It's done. And we have a new covenant. And if we keep studying there and reading Hebrews, it's a better covenant with better promises. And that's what you should want. That's what those Jews back then should want. That's who he's talking to and he's teaching there in Romans chapter 7. That it wasn't that the law was bad. The law is good. It's the people that could not keep the law that were faulty. It wasn't God's law that was faulty. Back to Romans chapter 7, verse 13, the Bible says, Has then what is good become death to me? So he's still explaining. He's still trying to get them to understand. He said, Is the law good? Absolutely. We just read that the law was good and just and holy. It says, Well, is that now death to me? He says, Certainly not. Is that has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin through the commandment might be become exceedingly sinful. Excuse me. That's, that's a little wordy. I kind of under, understand it as I sin. If I look at God's law, it seems exceedingly sinful now because it's bad. 
because you, you can't keep any of that law. And it says there is the law death. No, the law is good. The sin that was producing death in me was his fault. It was the Jews' fault. They were the ones that were sinning. Everybody sins. And what does the law do? It condemns you. It, put, it, it puts you to death. It shows you your transgressions. It shows you your violations. And everyone violates that law. Continuing on there, he explains why and how this happens to us. Romans chapter 7. And remember, Paul is speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to those that know the law. He's trying to get them to understand. And it's almost like Paul is putting himself back in the law there for just a moment and really kind of getting them to understand. He's like, okay, we're in the law for a moment. Let me explain this. And it says there in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. And that's a little bit wordy, but I'm going to read just a little bit more, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go back and we'll explain it. Verse 17 says, But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but that the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And if this doesn't sound like the New King James Version, it is the New King James Version. It's just, it's some wordy scripture there, okay? But let, let's go back and really understand what, what he's saying. He said, the law is spiritual, but guess what? I'm carnal, I'm human, right? And he says there that, what I'm doing, I do not understand because what I practice is what I hate and that I do. Have you ever had this cycle happen to you? Do you want to sin? If I ask anybody to raise their hand, who is ready to go out there and sin? I can't wait. None of us say that. None of us think that. But do we? Absolutely. We, uh, we do. We don't want to, or sometimes we try really hard to, but it happens, right? It says that that I hate, I practice. Then it says, if, if I agree with the, with the law, then the law is good. If I don't, don't, don't do those things. So it's basically saying, if you sin, it's on you. Verses 17 says, but now it is no, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He says, because in my flesh, nothing good happens. He says, I want to perform what is good, but I don't find myself doing those things. And it says, the things that are good is what I want to do, but it's the evil that I practice. It's because we're human. It's because Paul is human. It's because those Jews were human, and they do those things. They says that it's not that I wish to do these things, as we're going to read here in just a moment. The inner man delights in the law. The inner man wants to do good, but we are weak in the flesh, and we fulfill the lust of the flesh, and then we go against the law. We transgress or violate the law. And then we die. And that's what Paul is explaining here. He's saying, listen, I get it. And I think that's great that Paul is a man. Paul understands exactly what is going on, just as the scriptures understand exactly what is going on. Romans chapter 7, verse 20 says, Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. It's the sin that is doing that. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. So he's saying, I said, and if, if, you, if you think about those Jews, there were probably many Jews back then who really tried to keep the law to the best of their ability. 
They probably did the best that, that they could. Could they meet those righteous requirements? Absolutely not. There's no way. And Paul is trying to explain that. He's like, that's what we've been doing this entire time. And he understands. He's saying, look, if you do evil, you're sinning. And we all sin. We all do evil. And we all fall short of that law. He says, even though my inner man delights in it, I don't do it. Have you had that? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever sinned and, and felt terrible? I mean, like, why am I doing this? I hate this. But here I am practicing what I hate. Inwardly, I delight in the law, but I can't do those things that are in the law. You know, Galatians chapter 5 kind of helps explain this a little bit more. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. We do not wish, just like I said, to go out there and sin. But it says you've got the lust of the flesh and then you've got the spirit. And these two are contrary. They're opponents. And it is a battle and it is a war every day. And that's what is a, that's a good practical application for us today. But that's what the Jews went through all the time. They see the law. They don't fulfill the law. They violate the law. They sin because of their fleshly lust. And then they die. They are contrary to, uh, to one another. And Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 7 that it's like a war. Romans chapter 7, verse 23, the Bible says, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He, he just talked about his mind, which to me, I, th I think is just like that last verse, that inward man. He's saying the inward man delights in the law. The inward man wants to do those good things. But guess what? There's another side of me that's in my members, that's in my bodies, that is contrary. And it's a war, and it's a struggle. And that is something that I think we all go through still today. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. <coughs> we are not under that law. But are we humans just like those people were? Yes, absolutely. And we have the same kind of struggles. That is, say we were under the law, we'd be in trouble. Because we, none of us would be able to keep that law. Why? Because we have fleshly lust. And as a human, you're going to fulfill those from time to time. And it's saying there, I've got this war going on. And it's a battle. And the law shows us how defeated we are. That if you look at that law, you'll see that the war that is going on, you're losing. So Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 says, what purpose then does the law serve? What's the purpose of the law, right? Because none of those Jews were going to be saved by the law. It just wasn't going to happen. So what was the purpose? Why did God give that law? Galatians chapter 3 explains that. It says, what purpose does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. You know what transgressions is? Violations sin, trespasses, all those things, that was added because of that sin that was going on. It said the purpose of the law, it was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through, through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one, but for one only, but God is one. 
verse 21 in Galatians chapter 3 says, is the law then against the promises of God? And I like that because it goes with our study. Paul is sitting there asking the same kind of questions. Is the law sin? Is the law that's good now bad? Then he says here, is the law against the promises of God? Absolutely not. He says, certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the, the law. Just as we read from Hebrews chapter 8, if it could have been done by the law, there would have been no need for a second. Jesus would not have needed to come. But it says here that the law is the law against the promises of God. Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Verse 22 says, but the scripture has confirmed all under sin. And that could be, to me, it's plain. All are under sin. We cannot make it ourselves to the end of the road. It's, it's not going to happen. The law was there to show us our transgressions, to show us our, our violations there. Was the law bad? No, the law was good. The law taught sin. That's what Paul was saying here. But Galatians 3.22 says, But the scripture has confirmed all under sin that the promise, of, promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor or our schoolmaster, if you're looking at the King James Version there, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We're no longer under a schoolmaster because Jesus Christ has came. That faith has came. And it says that the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Why? Because we, if we don't get to Christ, we're not going to be justified. We want to be justified by faith, and that cannot happen through the law. The law brought us to it. The law taught us all kinds of good things. And remember, that's who Paul is telling those Jews there. But it said, without Jesus Christ, there's no way. No way that we can be justified because we cannot meet the requirements of that law. And he's really trying to understand. To me, I almost, I wish that the, the Jews, or I hope that some of them would have said, hip, hip, hooray. You know what I mean? Because they were not going to get it through the law. But now he's given that good gospel news of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 7 says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever had that thought? Maybe some of those Jews right then were having that same thought. They said, listen, we're wretched. The law shows us that we're wretched. The law shows us that we need to be delivered. And it says there, who will deliver me from this body of death? And it says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's who. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's who can deliver us from this wretched person that we are. Not the law, Jesus Christ. So then, with the mind of myself served the, uh, the law of God, but the, with the flesh, the law of sin. So he's, he's saying that with my mind, I, you know, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin because I'm weak. Therefore, we have to have Jesus to be saved. There's no other way to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into Romans 8 just a little bit. Romans 8, verse 1 through 2, because we just got done studying this, and I want to make sure that this hits home in our minds. We just talked about that law and just talked about human nature and how we sin and all those things, and that's what he's teaching those, those people there. And he says, 
all that happened to, uh, to, uh, to us. Then it says there in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no there's not going to be a sentence. There's not going to be that death. There's not going to be that condemn that condemnation that we read about there in in Romans chapter five. It says those that are in Christ Jesus are going to be justified, as we, as we as as we just read in Galatians, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Because if you study that law, if you look at that law, you want to be free from that law because it's a law of sin and death because you sin and you die. Now we have Jesus Christ. Now we have no condemnation. Now we can be saved and we can be justified. And that's what he's telling those Jews there. Romans 8 verse 3 says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Not that the law was weak. The people that were under the law were weak. They were weak in the flesh. They were faulty, if you remember from Hebrews chapter 8. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in, in the flesh. He imputed all of that sin onto Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ paid that debt. And then verse 4 says, the righteous requirement. There's that word that I want us to remember. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Who's that? Those that are in Christ Jesus. And it says, Jesus Christ is the one who is able to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. And since he was able to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, we can now be saved. Because we weren't, we weren't going to be able to do that through the law. We can only do that through Jesus Christ. And that's what Romans chapter 7 was all about. And I, and I hope we understand that. And I hope that we see that, that he is talking about the law and how the law is obsolete, how it is done. And that now we have Jesus Christ who has fulfilled the righteous requirements that we or those Jews back then could not fill those righteous requirements. 